everybody, and welcome to another episode of Make Your Stuff. I am your host, Kyle F. Andrews. I am here to uh, share thoughts, inspirations, ideas, insight from creatives who have been through the ringer, are still going through the ringer, and are in the midst of making waves in Hollywood. Um, You know, sometimes that can feel a little uh, beside the point when there are so many other things happening that feel like they're so much more important. And, and in a sense, they are. You know, there, it, it is it's really difficult to watch what is happening and not get a sense of what, what can I do about it. And I mean, I th- I'm a person who thinks voting is important. I'm a th- person who thinks that activism is important. I think that protesting is important. I think stating your, your mind is important. But, you know, being an artist, and the minute I say the word artist, that's where the, oh, no, I'm being pretentious now. That's where that kind of sense comes in. But, but honestly, as, as people who work almost exclusively in the making and sharing of art, no matter what kind of art that is, it can be really difficult at moments like this not to feel lost in that. And I just think that it's okay to feel lost because so many other people feel lost and we have to know what that is and we have to know what that feels like sometimes it is okay to feel lost right now if we had the answers we would certainly put them into work wouldn't we if we had the control we would certainly take that responsibility i think as artists into our own hands well we do have a certain sense of control we have a control over the work that we do we have a control in the way that we respond to tragedy like this and you know this is just a little podcast about talking to uh my friends and other artists i admire but the more i talk to my fellow artists the more it's clear that community is the way we get through this calling on each other helping each other, saying, what can we do together to try to make a difference? On that note, my podcast guest is JB Tadina, one of my favorite people on planet Earth. JB is an actor and producer you've probably seen on television or played in a video game. JB currently appears as Sebastian in the TV show Kung Fu on The CW. And his credits include hit shows like SEAL Team, NCIS and NCIS Los Angeles, Hawaii Five-0, Grey's Anatomy, American Horror Story, and Westworld, like the dude's got range. His voice work includes roles on film and in video games. Uh, I actually got to do something a little different for this podcast. I had JB in my house. Like, we were across the table from each other. He was there, I was there, my dog was there, we were all there. And uh, it felt really cool to hang out with JB for a bit in the post-pandemic times, mid-pandemic, late late period pandemic. I don't know, whenever whenever we are, I got to hang out with JB for part of it. I love JB, Uh, he's one of my favorite people. He gives a great interview, and I think you will enjoy it. Without further ado, here is my interview with J.B. Tadina. 
JB, I am so happy to have you over today for this. Bro, interview. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to talk to you. Yeah, man, and I like I can actually see you, and like I know if it, I reach far enough across the table, you can actually feel that's your elbow. Arm to, like feels like uh, <laughs> so weird being back with people. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm really excited because not only are you a cool guy, and I love you oh, on Twitter, you, I love you in person, but also likewise. Thank you, man. That means a lot to me. But your career is really starting to blossom in a way that I think. People who've known you for a long time always expected, but I'm sure is a is a nice um, happenstance. So, does it feel like you're on an upward trajectory for your career? And if so, like, how are you managing that? I mean, just based on you know the empirical data, it does seem like it's on an upward trajectory, just because it's the largest thing I've done so far. Mm. And but as far as me looking at it, I kind of just take it day by day because <laughs> you in this industry you really just don't know when the other shoe is going to drop so i kind of just see myself enjoying where i'm at and taking what comes i mean i think that's the best way to look at it you really don't know what's going to come up you could just keep your eyes focused ahead and keep working as far as your work goes though this is certainly the kind of show where i think people can recognize your talent yeah. you know we're talking of course about kung fu so uh, let's get into it a little bit since this is where we started yeah, man. with kung fu you have uh tell people at home is this a is this a guest star a recurring a co-star what kind of role is this it's a major recurring guest star the character has a pretty large arc within this season and um well i'm gonna stop there because <laughs> don't wanna, <laughs> no spoilers yeah, yeah we're gonna keep the spoilers <laughs> out of this interview for sure but watching the show it's really nice to see you in this position thank Be you it's a show called kung fu it is an action adventure show that has the family drama attached to it and you get to be a part of the family drama with kind of a romantic interest yes. as a character what is that like um well it was pretty unexpected to be asked to do like a, to be a love interest on a on a you know Western media television show, mm. um, it's something I never thought would ever happen. But doing it, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. And my scene partner um, John Presida, JP, he's been wonderful through the whole process. A great scene partner, and it's great to portray these characters on TV. Two Asian men mm. in a relationship. It's not really seen a lot. Yeah, it's exciting to watch, and I think that the show does a really authentic pull on it, which is also nice to see. Yes. Uh, you know, it's not just having people of a type and of a mindset here, but it's also allowing the story to be authentic and actually fit a family dynamic in the midst of all of this action that's happening around it. Absolutely. And the great thing about it, too, is there are just two characters we're allowed to be, and it their sexuality has nothing really to do with the storyline. They're mm. just characters who are caught in this, you know, will, there or, will they or won't they situation. And it's really fun. Can I ask you on set, does it ever get confusing when someone says JP or JB? All the time. So day <laughs> one, Joe Menendez, our producing director, who directed uh, episodes one and two, and even up until the end where he directed 11 and 12, or 12 and 13, he, he kept... <laughs> doing the same mistake of calling one of us JP or JB. It, it was great. And I hope it continues, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of happenstance that you really enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it also builds, you know, you're building a relationship with an audience while you're on the show. But while you're on set, you're building a relationship with an artistic community. Absolutely. Do you feel as though your uh, community is expanding as you do the show with the people that you can and want to work with? Yes, I think... Um, 
outside of the, the cast and crew themselves who are, are wonderful and it's just been an absolute amazing experience working with everybody. I think the scope of people watching me on the show has allowed me to network with with new people within, you know, not just the Asian American community, but like the the whole industry in general. And it's been fun, man. It's been a ride. It's just expanding my horizons that I never, you never expect to happen. You kind of hope they would, but mm. as it's coming, it's really been cool to see. Yeah, you can always tell when an actor is having fun within the stuff they're doing because as an actor, you know, I've been there. There are some things that you do that you're just doing for the money Absolutely. because you need to keep the lights on and the water flowing. Yes. But now, do you get a sense that there is a shift in your career at this point? I feel like it has opened some doors and like I've never had a publicist before. So <laughs> having that and kind of just building your presence w within the community, within the internet. Uh, yes, it's it's allowed me to be seen by more people, and it does feel like there's been a, a paradigm shift mm, within do, my career. Do you feel that there's a similar uh, paradigm shift in the way that Asian American actors are being brought into Hollywood, or is that not as noticeable? It's one of those slowly but surely things. Mm -hmm. There have been great strides in uh, Asian American representation, and it's cool to be on currently the only, I think, Asian American uh, majority TV show. Cool, but also... But also like, kind of sad, <laughs> yeah, because sad. Like, why are we the only one? Right. But yes, I think slowly but surely, they're, they're recognizing more names. I mean, there was an article that was released recently that said everything everywhere all at once was popular because of the multiverse and not because of its like insanely famous actress Michelle Yeoh who's great in the movie who is brilliant in everything in that she's everything ever been that in she's done yes so there's still you know steps to be made and it's like even when it you have to separate it between East Asian and Southeast Asian mm -hmm. or South Asian, there still needs to be strides to be made in the in those areas. So getting into the TV that you've done. You seem to have done a lot of action-oriented roles. I think the first time I saw you doing TV was Westworld, and I'm pretty sure that most of America was upset that you kept your clothes on for that one. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, have you ever felt like you've been boxed into anything and tried to break out of it? Or has there been, is it like where a writer thinks that they, I'm good at writing young adult dramedy, so I'm gonna stick in that world for a while? Sure. I think when you're trying to build your career in the beginning as actors, you find what your quote unquote wheelhouse is. And the easiest thing to get cast in for TV are blue collar, you know, procedural type roles where you're either you're a cop or a doctor, you're like a, a construction worker, a fireman, like those, sure. those roles are easy to get into. And, you know, with my body type, my look, my hair, it was easy for me to navigate within the procedural TV shows. Um, so I think you try to find a way to best get cast so that you can expand. But the problem with that is that people see you as like, oh, this guy's only doing military roles mm. or, you know, he's only speaks with a Filipino accent. So he's going to speak, we're going to cast him in all of these things. So early on, yes, that I was boxed into those categories. So I mean, like, how do you break out of that? Do you, do you just keep going to the same thing for, you know, to continue work? Mm. Or you kind of hope that other people see you in a different light, whether it be casting or um, just different creators. So I luckily ran into, uh, on Twitter, like we where we make most of our friends. That's where I live now. <laughs> no, I just live on Twitter. Yeah. I'm in a box on Twitter. Exactly. Uh, my good buddy now, Stephen Ford, mm. um, 
reached out to me on Twitter to do one of his projects. And he creates these really funny, super well-produced videos out of no money. And they're really funny and allowed me to play a character who's more like me, just, mm. uh, you know, a, a doofus. What? You? <laughs> yeah, I am not like hardcore at all. <laughs> I just, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd. And I think he, he saw that when he met me the first time. So in all of his videos, I'm just a goofball and it allowed me to kind of play that. And I think it opens some doors for other things, just doing projects you enjoy as well. Just saying yes to other things that you know you'll have fun doing regardless of whether it's seen by a million people. So as a growing artist in this industry, do you think you have to be ready for whatever opportunity comes your way, ready to say yes and jump into it? I think you have to go with your gut Mm. and just say, like, this seems like something I would enjoy. I think the people involved are great. Yeah, let's do it. Screw it. Let's let's have some fun. But I also think there's power in no, Mm. because if you don't feel that kind of energy or that kind of excitement or passion to do the thing, then don't. I am 100% behind you on that one. (laughs) No is the most powerful word in the English language. However, there's a difference between saying no and not saying anything. And I've always appreciated the the no because you're making a decision with this making it clear. Speaking of of clarity, as you've gone on in this career, have you found space for yourself as a actor to do the sort of experiential work that you want to do? Or are you finding you're sort of pulled around by what Hollywood wants you to be? Well, until I booked this current job, I feel like I was playing the idea of what Hollywood wanted to be me mm-hmm. to be, but also they wanted me to be that character, but they also didn't want to cast me as that character. <laughs> right. Because the like, catch twenty two. <laughs> right. It's like, oh hey, be super fit, play these leading man roles, but we're gonna cast Chris Hemsworth instead. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. So like, yeah. Uh, I think as soon as I started working on Kung Fu and this character Sebastian, who throughout the season, you know, he's charming at first then you see he's got like a dark side and then he can be maybe vulnerable or like it there's so many sides to him and it allows me to play comedy there's there's this one scene in episode five with uh ken hua who's just another wonderful scene partner Mm. and she ah it was like so fun and you could see how much fun we're having and it was like really cute and funny and it allowed me to play that side of myself as well so I think I'm really grateful for the for the chance, the opportunity to to play this character and open some more eyes to my other like the other sides of me. Right. Eventually, you will be playing Thor once uh, Chris Hemsworth gives up <laughs> yes. those reins. Actually, if you that want to know, upset the fans. <laughs> if you want my honest opinion, the Marvel character you should be playing is the Human Torch. But we'll get there oh. when we get there. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. No worries, man. I just call him like I see him. So, you know, you've done a lot of television, uh, but this is called Make Your Stuff. Yeah. And when it comes to television, your making of that stuff is kind of where you fit in the role. Yeah. Uh, you've done other work outside of television. For instance, you made a wonderful uh, live action Naruto adaptation that <laughs> yeah. looked, it was just the coolest thing. It's a fan series. Yes. What was it like? Was that any different than the normal day to day gig, or was there anything special to it that was a little different aside from the project itself? I think. I think what made it special because the creators behind it, 
uh, Nick Shaw, Yoshi, Sadar. So they, they do reanime, which they take existing IPs like of anime and people's favorite action scenes or whatever scenes from those shows and they translate it to, to live action. And I think they've done like a great job with, with all that. Some of their videos have 20 plus million views. Wow, that's crazy. And it's, it's, it's bonkers. And in the way that it, it, it was different, I think, is the passion they have behind the source material. Whereas in, you know, you someone from Studio X takes source material they're not familiar with and they turn out something that somebody, <laughs> a lot of, you know, purists may just really you get super mario the movie, you get basically. super mario the movie. yeah i get that yeah and what they they're pretty faithful with the source material at the same time creating the you know the adaptations that they need to to make live action work mm. and i think that kind of you know passion behind it creates something what both new people to uh that kind of genre would enjoy as well as the purist. So mm. I think they do a great job of that. Was it as tight ship as a Hollywood production that needs to make their day? No. Let's be honest. <laughs> the, it's not. Uh, it's, a, were, it's a very polite way to put that. Right. It was a little chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tiny bit chaotic, but we had some great producers behind it who mm. had you know industry experience, so we did our best. But you know, it's also uh, a fan film, so you 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 do the best with what you've got. And I think they they turned out a really fun piece with you know it's emotional it's it's got action the mm. characters i think the actors do a great job in it and it was a lot of fun to do yeah as an indie filmmaker myself i think a little bit of chaos is actually necessary to yeah. them because you get to have those happy accidents that actually turn into something that makes the film for sure you know yeah i and, was actually a happy accident because <laughs> were you um yoshi was supposed to play the uh, the role of Osmo that that I did but he had to drop out last second to do extra shooting for for Bullet Train the the Brad Pitt movie that's coming out soon oh cool so he had to go run do that they needed a last second replacement and I was like it was December in the middle of the pandemic I was like what else am I doing let's do this looks awesome it, and it looks awesome yeah it looks so it cool looks great. and you open the thing too it starts mostly with you setting up the plan of yeah. where to go and then a kick-ass fight scene right. like it's everything we want from a project so like yeah. they really lucked out having you on that oh no i appreciate it they, it was fun to work with them well speaking of doing other stuff like filming filming you are you just are in post-production on a film called scrap yeah how is that and what's it like going into film after having done so much tv um, I actually filmed that before I shot Kung Fu. Oh, okay. Uh, I was in class with Vivian Kerr, the writer, director, creator of the whole project. She did a short film uh, named Scrap, mm. um, starring Anthony Rapp. Who, who's um, in this one as well. Yeah, and he, mm. they, he signed on to do this one. They got Lana Perillo to be in it. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool. It's just one of those situations where, you know, you just got to be kind and cool and work at your craft and people will notice mm. kind of things and vivian wonderful actress writer and was in my class and she just asked me to do this uh to do this role on, on her movie and it was a lot of fun i play anthony rapp's editor in it cool and it's just one of those kind like of newspaper editor kind of uh, thing book editor. book editor got it and i it's one of those you know kind of just hot shot characters that i haven't been able to play who's cut a little douchey, a little over the top, but mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a lot of fun. 
I can't wait to see how it turned out. I, I have to tell you, I can't wait to watch you play a douchebag. You've been too nice lately, <laughs> and I'm tired of seeing you as a nice guy. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. I mean, speaking of nice guy, like the first time I ever met you, you uh, helped my girlfriend and me move her into yeah, that's right. her apartment. That? 2013? That was 2013, 2014, yeah. I think. And like nobody helps anybody move their friends into <laughs> apartments, except JB shows up. You, It was, I think, the two of us, maybe one of Jenna's other friends, and you. Yeah. And like, it was really nice to have you there. And oh, every, thank you. every time I run into you at a party or something, we talk for 15, 20 minutes because yeah. you are one of the nicest guys that I know. Do you find that being nice and kind and open like that is helpful to you in Hollywood? Because I think a lot of people here, like you, you just got to push hard and, and climb to the top over whatever bodies you can. Sure. And like, it, it is a little disappointing when you hear stories or you witness uh, people not being kind or not being respectful, getting like great things happen to them. Mm. And I, I don't think being kind is a, a was a way to like move forward and, and it's, it's just it's who you it are. takes too much effort yeah. to be a dick <laughs> you know i don't know i'm from boston man i i think it, <laughs> it's pretty easy it's pretty easy for uh you know especially if the sports teams are doing poorly you know it's pretty easy to project that onto something else but yeah. um but no i totally hear you on that it is to wake up grumpy and then to carry that with you through the day where it starts affecting your work that does right. take work. it's like what's the point and yeah. i don't want to affect anyone else's day i i I try to make it so that everyone's comfortable around me and just and still I can be myself and just everyone it's not like a people pleasing thing I think but it's just I'd rather not there be you know any conflict or drama i'd rather just be a nice guy and everyone have a good time that's cool that's cool no you want to you want to save the drama for the stage and the set you for don't sure. want to have that behind like the i scenes. can create that character but <laughs> in real life now i'm good well tell me a little bit about the journey that you took to get here they always say you're an overnight success but we always know that's 10 20 years in the making sure. uh, your imdb does have a, a lengthy uh resume of climbing up do you think that there has been a noticeable process for you how has it been to get to this point in your career oh, man none of it makes sense right? <laughs> i mean so like i feel like i took a mostly linear path you know people mm. some people are discovered day one some people go up and down and up and down and then they find large success or whatever however you define that but you know it started off with small roles here and there then it graduated to larger roles on tv and then you know it it, it kind of fluctuates to where you know you have to take a small role and then you take a bigger one but then there are like huge gaps where <laughs> nothing happens like for for instance i remember almost needing to quit a mm. couple times because i wasn't making any money like at the end of you know i book a couple good roles on television and then a year goes by i don't book anything and i'm like well i'm running out of money i gotta quit and then i book a commercial mm. that pays for the next two years of my life you know it's, it's just nothing makes sense a lot of people don't they think once you're on tv you've made it you've now made you're it. rich right. and now you're famous so you get to you shouldn't complain about what you're doing we we know that that's not even remotely it's the, not the even truth. remotely true but yeah. even when you're on the ride and you get to a certain point you're like okay this is the one and then you're quickly taken back down to earth and you're like nope you still got a uh, some growing to do so i think that 
is most people's path as far as the, the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of all of it. I agree. And I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think that as artists in a town built on hopes and dreams, we have the desires, but then we also have to get used to not getting what we want mm-hmm. very, very often. Very often. <laughs> so often. And like you said, you thought about quitting a couple times. Have you learned to cope with rejection? And if so, what are some of the ways that you do that so <clears throat> over time it's like i think it's where you develop that kind of skin um because early on when you all the rejection it really sucks and because it's all the time and you're green and 99 percent of the time it's rejection and for some people it's 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. and it's horrible and it sucks and i think you know developing uh the fact where you know you you make it about the work a lot of the times and hopefully it's something you still enjoy and i think over over time i just learned to you know not to give a fuck (laughs) don't worry we're an explicit podcast so you can say that okay cool as i was like am i gonna have to (laughs) say this again but i think that's an important note you kind of have to not give a fuck yeah and that's not something you can just force Mm. At some point, I was just like, you know what? I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> Here, take this tape. And then you book that. It's the dumbest thing, but it's what happens. Do you think it gives you a new sense of freedom in your work? It very much does. Because mm. then you just start to be like, okay, I'm just going to do me, do my best, hope they like it. And if not, whatever. And eventually, hopefully, you get to that point. But I can't tell you, tell you if it's like a day down the road or 20 years down the road that that happens. Well, and you have to be open to the fact that the likely chance is that you're not going to get yeah, it. Yeah, the very likely chance mm-hmm. is that you can go years without like getting that. Yeah. Well, a lot of people say it's like a lottery ticket. You don't have to work your ass off to get a lottery ticket. <laughs> right. So it does feel like you should be able to make it if you're putting the work in. But we know that this town is in a meritocracy. Right. Especially if you don't, you know, you don't look like me, um, you know, and <laughs> appreciate that. Well, it, it's something that I think at least the audience is now aware of, even if performers have been aware of it in a lot for a long time. Convincing the audience that this is an issue has been an issue. Yeah. Do you, as you go forward in this career, do you kind of look at yourself as a? I don't know if I, if trendsetter is the right word, but somebody <laughs> on the uh, cusp of uh, the next version of Hollywood. Um, you know, I never really looked at it like that. Mm. I, uh, I kind of see it as, you know, when you're in a community that's marginalized and you're kind of, you're, you're all working towards the same goal and the Asian American community, the Filipino American community have been kind of banding together these last few years, trying to just raise each other up. And I think the goal is so like to work so that I can bring everybody else up Mm. behind me. I don't really see it as setting a trend. I just kind of see it as like, this is what I hope becomes the norm. You're uh, doing the old Jack Lemmon thing. You're sending the elevator down. Yes. I think that's what you got to do when something positive like or hugely successful happens in your life. Just kind of bring others that you love to where you are. So with doing that, do you have a sense of where the next few years are going to take you? Do you have things lined up that are in the works? How are things with Kung Fu? Do you have that idea of what the next five years is going to look like? Five years, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I when I said I don't give a fuck anymore, it's like I, I really don't try not to look that far ahead. Because mm-hmm. you go a little <laughs> nuts trying to... Because it, it becomes goal-oriented. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it becomes anxiety-ridden and mm-hmm. you kind of try to plan it when it's unplannable. So it, it's more of just 
I, I know it's on the horizon. You know, I'm, I'm doing work on some voiceovers, which has been great. Well, let's talk about that yeah. because I think voiceovers is one of those, you know, it's not the Wild West anymore. It's certainly there are companies that do it more often. And the, I think the, the rates are starting to get similar when you're working on the projects. But is there a way you approach voiceover that's distinct from the way you approach uh, live action? Or is it all the same to you? It's a lot of the same. I still, you know, try to create a character and create just um, a voice based on, you know, the the animation they give me or what I think this character sounds like. But it it is a lot more freedom as far as going one way or the other. Mm. Whereas in, you know, when they're acting like you need to bring it down a bit. No, you can go balls to the wall and you're in your like sweats just kind of acting like a kid in the and it's, it's a lot of fun. You did a Call of Duty video game. Have you ever done any motion capture, mocap stuff? I've not done any mocap. Is that on the list? It's of... on the list. <laughs> yeah, I would love to, to do one of those just because games have become so freaking cinematic nowadays. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, The Last of Us, the performances of that game are like, you know, Emmy-worthy performances. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something I would love to just experience. I would love to play a game where I'm playing a part that I know that JB has like rolled around in and like that's not me rolling around, that's JB rolling around and I like vicariously through that. Yeah. I think seeing how amazing the graphics are on everything makes it feel like movies are sort of moving the way to video games and the way that video games are kind of moving to to movies and I think that's exciting. Do you ever get a sense of you maybe wanting to, aside from act, maybe write a story, produce a story, direct a story? Is there any of that in there for you at some point yes i think early on with the with creating your own material it was more of a god i need to create something so i can act it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey, that's why i became a writer man. <laughs> right? i just wanted to do some acting i think a lot of us get into that and you know, I, I wrote some some things, some things that are completely unproducible because it just you, you. I don't know if they tell you not to write things that you know that that are impossible, but this just seemed impossible to produce. Kind of like CG effects all over the place, like huge sets, and I was like, ah, I was a little in over my head. But um, but the artistry was there. The, artistry the intent was there. was there, right? And. It, it was to create a, a something fun to do, mm. and yeah, that's still in me at the at the moment. I'm enjoying just being on screen. Mm. Yeah, it must feel really good to yeah. actually have something you can point to all the time that people can just turn on and watch. Right. Yeah, that's that's exciting. It really is. When it comes to feeling like a success versus feeling like a failure, do you think that you are required to book a job to feel successful? Or is there a sense that you can get out of the career even if you're just going on auditions all the time? Um, I think early on, your your idea of success is res- result oriented. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, I booked this thing. I'm I'm like I'm doing okay. I think that's a false <laughs> idea. Yeah, I think there's immensely more talented actors than me out there that have not reached like levels of commercial success. Well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, yeah, no, it was all about you. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It, I don't want to say that it's that your your success is tied to any booking or because it's not. Like your self worth shouldn't be tied to any of that. But I think as long as you're enjoying what you do and you're able to push forward and keep doing it, even if that means keeping stable with like another job, as long as you still love it and you're doing it and you're happy creating art. I think that's a success. 
do you have ways to celebrate yourself in these moments? Is there uh, like anything you do after an audition to like accept the moment of having the audition and then moving on from there? Yeah, I think you've got to celebrate every little win mm. that happens. Like whether it's just you had an audition, mm. you felt good about an audition, you like had a callback, you you because the odds of getting an audition are still kind of astronomical, aren't they? Like. Mm -hmm. They have thousands of submissions. They pick a 50 of you to read maybe nowadays because of self-tapes. And then... I think with self-tapes, it's made it a crazy amount. They can just they can just click, 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 click through. They don't have to do the game of meeting anyone. Exactly. So that like you, you have a, like a even better chance now to, to get seen. But you definitely have to, to celebrate those. I, for me, I would just need something simple like going out to eat right mm. afterwards instead of like cooking or, you know... Interesting that a... Man playing a chef on a TV show says, go out to get some food. <laughs> is this the character? Is this the, the person? Maybe it's a little bit of both. <laughs> Maybe. Do you have a, a creative routine when you're on set? Do you have like a, a thing you do to get prepared? Sure. Um, I went to a few different schools mm. in, uh, in Los Angeles. Right. You met, you met my girlfriend schools. Jenna. I, at one I of met them. Jenna at mm -hmm. one of them. And Jenna is wonderful, by the way. I just want to put that on record. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't listen to this show, so she'll never hear that. Um, but <laughs> where I kind of finally adopted a process was at the Warner Laughlin studio. Mm. And it was, it really helped me like actually create a character and it just allows you to, you know, create a, a past and really just infuse yourself into the character so that it's not so much, it's, it's more so you, you're putting your essence into it as a post to someone's idea. I think that's an interesting point and I want to stick on this for a bit because I think, you know, if the Twitter community is listening, <laughs> then it's filled with a lot of writers, a lot yes. of aspiring writers, a lot of professional writers. Your relationship with the script is it's always feels one way. I'm not talking you specifically, I'm talking actors in general. Mm -hmm. Even if the writer is there for us to ask questions, we could ask one or two questions, and then it's about us working with the director. Is there, do you have a relationship with a script that you usually try to build? Is there anything that you wish writers would think about the actor? What is your relationship when you get the text? So uh, I'm gonna use Kung Fu as an example. Great, great um, show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so when I think they cast me, they they went through a lot of guys, got a lot of guys I know, and all great actors, all different types. So when they landed on me, I took it as permission that they wanted me in it. So when I approach the script, I do it as I normally would, just you know, with the text and and all the um, everything in there, just using that to infuse what I would do as this character. And, and I think it's been a great marriage because the writers on the show are super collaborative. Mm, that's great. And during even during the table reads, when let's say I, I mess up something and it, they were like, oh, that actually sounds better. And they use what I said instead. It, it, I think it, it's just been lucky enough to where I have a great group of like collaborative people to, that we want to create the best character possible uh, how they write it and how I like create it. Right. I think voice is one of those uh, spots in a script where the writer's voice 
and the actor's voice have to unite to create the character's voice. Would yeah. you say that that's... I think that's very accurate. And I think once you start to build a relationship with each other, as far as when they see your work and when you talk to them, they start to infuse more of you mm. into it. And it's just, it's great because I, I feel like I've seen that throughout the the season. I think that's great. And I think it's important for any actors listening that infusing who you are into the character is an important part of the process. In, in, in the studio I go to, that's one of the things we talk about. You don't separate yourself out of it. You find what part of yourself relates to what you're doing in the text. Because at the end of the day, they're hiring you. Yeah. And they're not hiring what someone thought like this character was that you should do they're behind what you like the sauce you put in <laughs> again with the with the cooking with references, the cooking references. <laughs> is there a part that you would love to try to play in the future like something that you haven't gotten an opportunity to yet um and yes i we, we touched on it for a second but I think I know in the going. future because i'm too young to play it now but i want to do lone wolf cub so bad like the last of us where joel ha is forced to take on this cub and he's kind of grizzled and just over it and then he's forced to be vulnerable again to 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 to, to, to come to terms with his past and it's that with the help of this child that helps him do that and i think that's such a there's so many instances where you see this uh play out in the last of us in Punisher and the professional and the mm. Mandalorian you see and I just love that so much and it has never been adapted into a live-action film has it <laughs> what's that lone wolf and cup well the, the the that's just the the genre I'm talking oh about. oh I thought you were talking about the specific lone wolf and cub story which is, is a, a it's, it's a cub it's story? a manga series yeah and it was like the basis for it, well now I know there what you I go <laughs> uh, lone wolf and cub chronicles the story of Ogami Ito the shogun's executioner who uses a battle sword he's disgraced and then he has a young child that he's got to care for that so I think this is where the story amazing. comes from yeah it was published in the 1970s wow well, now we have a story for you to, now to take we have forward. something that I can put on uh, put on the list. Look at those happy accents. Look at that. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I'm happy you looked that up. Yeah, I would like to see you play a role like that, where you are an experienced person having to help somebody who is is coming up. I think the mentorship role. It seems like something that you would play well because you're already a very. I don't know if if wise is the right word. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right. Temperate, word. <laughs> temperate person. You yeah. seem to be a very temperate and courageous person. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It, it comes a lot from you know I see calmness in the way you approach things is that an outward uh, facade or are you really calm now in this point in your career i think it, it was one of those fake it till you make it kind of things mm -hmm. i think early on you kind of put on this i'm i'm cool i'm good everything's fine uh mentality and then once i reached don't give a fuck and <laughs> you kind of just had so cliche to say but like just enjoy the moment and then you really just can't really look too far ahead. I think that's smart. And I think that's something that creatives, if you're struggling with things like anything from I don't, I'm not auditioning well to I've got writer's block, it often comes because you're over pressuring yourself and over thinking about what you have to accomplish instead of thinking about how you're going to go on your journey. Right. The, the sort of journey you want to take. How do you as an artist stay productive even in the moments when you're not working on anything? So that can be a lot of things. Like you could, 
different hobbies that you actually enjoy or want to learn because as an adult you know there's still a lot of things you can learn that you may have not done in the past like right now i'm in filipino martial arts mm. and it's it's just great for one learning more about my culture two like learning another skill set and three having something that might be useful for the show <laughs> i who knows <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge on that one writers and producers bob christina um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like keeping yourself busy with different things you want to learn, hobbies. I found because I got tired of trying to create something for myself to act in, finding things to say yes to that you would enjoy. Back to that, like with Steven, he asked me to do those shorts and I was like, you know what? This seems like fun. Yes. Mm. And it, the, the things that may just be for fun, like the, not necessarily going to film festivals or being on TV. You know, Naruto seemed like a fun thing to do. It I was like, looked like a fun thing. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Just, I think there are ways to, to do that uh, when if you find a community of people who want to create. Do you do theater in Los Angeles? I do not. Okay. I refuse to do a monologue. Are you listening? I refuse. <laughs> no monologue. Uh, it, it is, it is self-tape made, but you don't have to monologue if you don't want to. Yeah. You can monologue if you want to. You can leave your friends behind. I'm a person who loves the theater. and Oh, I love theater. But this yeah. isn't the town for it. It's, you know, it's yeah. so difficult to get anything off the ground here. It is. It, that's the truest part of La La Land, I think. Yeah. It is like you and three friends will see your show. Well, I, I did theater in D.C. is kind of how I start, got started acting. Is that where you're from? Are you from yeah, D.C.? Yeah, I'm from uh, Northern Virginia, the Washington, D.C. area. Okay, yeah. And Fairfax they have and a stuff. very vibrant theater scene. And I did some professional theater while I was there and I fell in love with it. And I love, you know, having a cast and, you know, doing a show every night that you enjoy. And, you know, the, the live aspect of it is always, you know, unpredictable and, and fun. But yeah, I think I prefer doing television and film versus theater. It is a distinct animal in yeah. the game and not to take anything away from theater artists, but I think in the 2022, there is a premium put on, can I see your work? How do I see your work? Right. And it, theater has become kind of a game for the rich. You know, if you want to see Very quality much. theater or yeah. uh, if you want to see just regular theater, you're going to fringe festivals where everybody's naked and not taking away anything from those artists. <laughs> yes. But seeing Chekhov in a 50, 100 person theater doesn't really exist in this That's town. 100 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> or, or that, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. The, the actual <laughs> theater spaces in this town too could use a, an upgrade. <laughs> yes. But doing the film and television roles, it, it is exciting to see you get the opportunity to like sink your teeth into something I, I don't want to harp too much on the work that you're doing on kung fu but do you find that you get to take your time on this in a different way than you know if you're doing a show like uh, hawaii 50 where it's more like action go 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 you got to move 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 do you do you have different spaces in doing that um you, you picked a very bad example because hawaii 50 gave me a great amount of like time and to create this character and i was like allowed to sit in the moment and like breathe with because it was like was that in hawaii okay so yeah the attitude the whole so you'll be a little more laid back and i it was it was a great set to work on but yes i I do feel like i've been allowed to sit and breathe and create and collaborate with sebastian more than anything i've I've worked on Mm -hmm. and i think it's partly because of the size of the character and two because of the creatives involved. Well, I absolutely love the character of Sebastian. Thank you. It's really enjoyable to watch. You are the person who makes him enjoyable to oh, watch. I, I think that the um, 
do do you ever with Sebastian need to pump up or does he live inside you now? He lives inside me. Because mm. um, it's the work I do beforehand once I get the, the scripts. I do all my work prior to, to being on set. And once I'm there, it's just play time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, once I, I do the solo work, once I get there, I just let it go. Mm. And I, it, yeah, it's been so much fun to play this character. I'm so excited for you too. And uh, yeah, if uh, any other producers are listening, please, as your show continues, please continue to build JB up because Sebastian is a character that I think we need more of. <laughs> Filipino martial arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let, let's uh, finish up uh, on uh, a question that I always like to ask is, what's next for you? Um, so we have season three. Congratulations oh, thank on thank that, you by very the way. Much. Yeah. So I'm very much looking forward to playing a little more in that world. We've got Scrap coming out soon. Which I'm very much looking forward to. <laughs> Watching you and Anthony rap together, I just, that <laughs> sounds like a dream come true to me. Oh, thanks. Um, some voiceover work that's coming out. We got... Uh, Firebuds, which is a Disney junior show, mm. which centers around first responders, but the lead character is a Filipino boy. Lou Diamond Phillips plays the, the kid's dad. I play Lou Diamond Phillips' dad. Oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Isn't that hilarious? That's amazing. That might be... We should have opened with that. Are you kidding me? You're Lou Diamond Phillips' father? I'm playing Lou Diamond Phillips' father. So you're Lou Diamond Phillips Sr. That's yeah. who you are at this yeah, that's point. Who I am that's right now. great, dude. Yeah. I'm already excited for that. You know, it's on Disney Junior. Are we going to be really impressed when we see this? I think the fans of... Um, the creator mm. who's done like Elena of Avalor oh, okay. uh, Sophia the First which are hugely popular kids shows they will continue to love the work that's yeah. exciting good good for you thank you if people want to keep involved in your career and keep following what's the best way to do that uh, follow me at J-A-Y-B-E-E T-A-D-E-N-A that's J-B Tadina spelled out because J-B Tadina was taken <laughs> For some reason, I was like, oh, there's another one? Mm. I thought I was the only one, but apparently not. Uh, I go by Kyle F. Andrews because uh, the other two Kyle Andrewses are an uh, electronica musician and a gay British porn star. Oh, wow. And I don't want people to think <laughs> I'm an electronica musician. <laughs> there so. it is. <laughs> Well, that's great. I am going to continue following you on there. I am going to continue following you in person. Same. Yeah, it, it's really been nice to actually have a sit-down conversation with you. JB, thank you for coming by, man. It's been a great conversation. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Make Your Stuff and want to support the show, please click the follow button. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at MYS Podcast. And consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash makeyourstuff. I'm your host, Kyle F. Andrews. My consulting producer is Emily Castro. Our theme song is Keep On Dancing by Monday Hope. Until next time, keep making that stuff.